So there are a lot of things that are going on today in this service. Uh, Today is the conclusion of Ordinary Time, the great long season of of Ordinary Time. The six-month season is coming to a close, and it's kind of ironic because today is anything but ordinary. There's a lot of things, like I said, that are going on today. Uh, we're wrapping up our four-week sermon series on the mission statement of our diocese. A diocese is a, is a collection of churches. It's a region of churches. Uh, and today we'll be wrapping that up. Today, as David said at our welcome, it's Christ the King Sunday. So you may have gathered that from some of our readings and the opening collect and the song choices and all of that. And then also it's a baptism Sunday. And we're just thrilled about that because typically the church doesn't baptize uh, on Christ the King Sunday, uh, but the Spirit led, and here we are. So we're just excited for that as well. So today we're going to be preaching through the mission statement of our diocese, that we are planting a revival of word and sacrament infused by the Holy Spirit. And if you call restoration your home, or if you are uh, simply here for the first or second time and you want to learn more about our church, I encourage you to go back and listen uh, to those sermons starting at the beginning of November so you can hear more about what our heartbeat is, what our passion is, um, yeah, what, what we get excited about. So my wife's family, they have this, this holiday tradition of making these Norwegian meatballs. And what's interesting is I've, I've met other Norwegians and I've heard the way that they describe these meatballs and they always cock their heads when they hear about my wife's family's Norwegian meatballs. So I have a, a sneaking suspicion that, that they're just truly unique and maybe not even uh, have a, a Norwegian heritage to them. But they're made by meat that's been ground like at least six times. So it has this like really kind of spongy texture to it. It's gray in its color, and they flavor it with mace. Can anyone verify that this is indeed? Okay, yeah, all right, all right. We've, we've got a vote of confidence there. All right, Molly will be thrilled that, I'm, that I now believe her after 13 years of marriage. <laughs> but as you can imagine, these things taste very strange. Uh, they're, they're interesting, uh, to use a Minnesotan word. They're very interesting. And there's, there's legends that surround these meatballs, like legends of grandma sending them off to her boys in war and you know them cracking them open and eating them before cooking them and that sort of thing. And I remember when I first took my, my first bite, like it, it wasn't... It wasn't a beautiful moment. Like, it, it, like I was cringing. It was kind of, I, I was trying to be nice to my mother-in-law, you know, like that was strange. Uh, but the thing is, is like, because I told you there's mace in these, right? Like, it, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting. So at, over the course of two years, I would try these, and I would take a bite. And, and actually, there was one day after two years that I tried a bite of these, and I actually liked them, like enough to take another bite and, and not pass, you know? And so they, they became like a part of, of like my expectation of what the holidays are. And my children, they always have loved them. Like we have videos of little Marin like, like just punching them into her face. Like she loves these things. <laughs> well, thankfully, the mission statement of our diocese are, is not like meat or mace-filled meatballs. Like, that's not what this is. You know, these, this mission statement, it's based on the word of God. It's based on our experiences. It's based on church history. And our kids are being raised up in this. 
And I hope as you hear this, it's soaking into your soul and you're getting excited about the family that you belong to, the, the rich heritage that you're able to pull from, the, the sustenance that you're able to get, even though it's, it's a little spicy at times and has you cocking your head. I hope that this is something that has been invigorating to you, that this has been a, a good thing, not just for learning about the family that you belong to, but the heritage or the, the things that the Lord is doing in your own life. Again, we are planting a revival of word and sacrament infused by the Holy Spirit. And today we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. Now, theoretically, this mission statement, you could have this mission statement without that last phrase, infused by the Holy Spirit. And like, infused is a weird word anyway, like who uses the word infused when they talk about the Holy Spirit? But we do. And like you could have the mission statement just simply as planting a revival of word and sacrament. Like that's sufficient. That's succinct. Like that fits on a t-shirt really nicely, you know? Like that's that's one that's something that we can roll with. And so it raises the question, do we need that last phrase? Do we need to specifically call out the role of the Holy Spirit in this? You know, can you have revival without Holy Spirit? And I think, yeah. I think you actually can. It's called emotionalism, right? Like we've, we've heard of these kinds of experiences. We know of this. Revival without the Holy Spirit is a performance trap. You know, it's, it's you getting on the hamster wheel of, of excitement and emotionalism, you know, trying to reach whatever that next high is. Revival without the Holy Spirit is obsessing over the gift rather than obsessing over the gift giver. But with the Holy Spirit... Revival is a restoration of the whole person. Revival is, is the Spirit of God descending upon you and giving you new life. With the Holy Spirit, you step into a revival gospel garden where new life is springing up all over the place. What about the Word? What about the Bible? What about the Scriptures? Can you have that without the Holy Spirit? Well, of course you can. We have seminaries that are entirely studies of Scripture without the presence of the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, the Scriptures become nothing but an academic text. It's merely ancient literature. So imagine with me, if you will, uh, that you just returned from Ikea. You, you bought this nice, massive uh, bookshelf, uh, and you spread it out around the bedroom. You, you get like all the planks over here, the long ones, the short ones the ones that you are pretty sure belong to another set, but whatever. You get like the screws out, those obnoxious little wooden doll things, dull things that are always rolling away. Like you're laying all of that out, you're getting ready, and then you pull out the instructions. And you're like, wow, these instructions, these are, these are really nice. Like they're really simplified, they're well-written, they're really neat. I really like that little carpenter guy who's running around, like he makes me feel nice. Um, and, and you know, you know, you're kind of obsessing over these instructions. Like, meanwhile, the pieces are just gathering dust there. And then, like, you take it another step further. You're like, you know that part where it says, when you need help, call 1-800-IKEA store or something? Like, that really speaks to me. You know, we should pay someone to, to get, like, a really nice calligraphy pen and, and, and put that on the wall and frame it, because it's just so lovely. Like, that's exactly what it's like to be reading the Holy, to read the scriptures without the presence of the Holy Spirit. Like, you're not, you're, you're reading the scriptures, you're studying the word, you're enjoying the, the word itself, but you're not building a beautiful life with what it has detailed out for you. That's reading the Bible without the Holy Spirit. But with the Holy Spirit, the Bible is the living word of God. 
You read the text, and the carpenter of Nazareth points up that sycamore tree right at you, calls you by name, and says, I want to have a meal with you. Like, that's, that's the power of the Holy Spirit in the scriptures. The Bible is that double-edged sword, right, that's able to cut between soul and spirit. With the Holy Spirit, the Bible transforms our lives. He places you within the grand story of God's plan for reconciliation. The Holy Spirit teaches you what it's like to live righteously. The Holy Spirit teaches you through the scriptures how to have a sacred imagination of what God can do in your life. What about the sacrament? What about the Holy Sacrament, baptism and communion? Can you, do, can you have the sacrament without the Holy Spirit? Well, of course. Like, the sacrament without the Holy Spirit, that's actually a misnomer. Like, the sacrament without the Holy Spirit, it's just, it's just water, you know? It's just, it's just bread. It's, it's just, you know, it's just wine. Like, without the Holy Spirit, we're just splashing water on people. Like, we're just getting a, a little gluten-free snack, like, halfway through our church service without the Holy Spirit. The sacrament without the Holy Spirit is just sentimentalism. It's just dry ritual. It's, it's kind of our, our way of, of getting good luck, you know, from God, or our attempt to get good luck. Without the Holy Spirit, we're always, we, we go to the sacrament as if we're trying to earn something or prove something. But with the Holy Spirit, the sacrament are the, is the mysteries of God revealed. With the Holy Spirit, God himself in the sacrament comes and enters our space. He heals our divided world. He brings together heaven and earth. In the sacrament, with the power of the Holy Spirit, we behold the Lamb of God who was slain before the foundations of the world. He leads us through turbulent waters himself. He sets a table before us himself. In the sacrament, God ministers to his people. He gives himself as food for the journey throughout this world. You see, friends, we're not interested in a revival of word and sacrament without the Holy Spirit. Like, that's not what we're about here. Unless the Lord builds the house, the laborers build in vain. We need the Holy Spirit. Do you remember that story of Ezekiel and the story of the dry bones? Like, what a beautiful illustration of this, right? Where the the Lord brings the prophet into this dark, gray, huge, like expanseless valley, and there's all these human bones out there. Like, it's disturbing. It's disgusting, you know? It's gross. But God comes, and he starts building up these bones. He puts sinews on them and organs. He puts muscles and flesh and skin upon these bones. And Ezekiel sees that this group of bodies, this isn't just random people. This is a massive army of soldiers And then God breathes his spirit upon them, and they rise up. They stand. Well, our mission statement is just a dead army without the breath of God. We need the Holy Spirit. Without him, it's just a corporate mantra. It's just something that we did because some church planting coach somewhere said we should have a mission statement. We're like, okay. You know, that's all it is. It's just a slogan. It's just something cute to put on our website. But with the Holy Spirit, we experience the kingdom of God now. That's what this is all about. So if you have your Bibles or your bulletins, open up to our reading from Acts. And what I want to do is I actually want to show you how this looks in Scripture. That this isn't something that we just kind of got together and, and you know, dreamed up this mission statement on our own. 
So what, what I want to show you in Acts is that this is the Holy Spirit-infused kingdom that we see unfolding. And just to kind of provide a little bit of context here. So Acts tells the story of God's good news, of his gospel, of his kingdom spreading across the world. Jesus Christ, through his death on the cross and by the power of his resurrection, has inaugurated his kingdom. He's breathed his spirit upon the church. He's given them boldness to preach the word. He's given them authority to pronounce forgiveness of sins. He's commanded them to baptize. He's commanded them to break bread with one another. He's commanded them to heal the sick, to expand the kingdom. And then he ascended into heaven where where he's seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us, praying for us, cheering us on, breathing his Holy Spirit upon us. And it's so fun to read about this in the scriptures. In fact, I'm going to turn, I'm going to turn to Acts chapter 2. And I've, I've preached on Acts chapter 2 a couple of times. And I just want to review something very, very quickly in here. Because Acts chapter 2, this is a, this is a mission moment right here. Acts chapter 2, verse 42, 40, starting at verse or, uh, 42 through 47. Because if this isn't a revival of word and sacrament infused by the Holy Spirit... I don't know what is. So here's what it says, starting at verse 42. And they, that is the church, the first believers, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and their belongings and distributing to all the... distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. The word of the Lord. You can say things. Yeah, it's it's okay. We can do that in the middle of the sermon too. I know we didn't didn't plan on that. That wasn't printed. I, I knew I threw a lot of you Anglicans off, you know, when I did that. But anyway, in here we read that they were devoted to the apostles' teaching and the prayers, that is the scriptures, the psalms, that is the presence of the word in this passage. There's fellowship going on in here, which those of you who know Greek know that fellowship, the word for that is koinonia, it also means participation. They're participating with one another, they're participating in the breaking of the bread. This is a Eucharistic moment, this is a Holy Communion moment that's happening there, it's a sacramental moment. And there's revival happening. The Lord's adding to their number day by day. There's signs and miracles that are happening. They're getting favor in the community. Like, that's amazing. This is exciting. This is a good and joyful and wonderful thing that's happening here. Uh, I remember after one of our services, a a member came up to me and he said, you know, I've always known that church is supposed to be reverent. Uh, I know that you're supposed to learn good things here at church, uh, but I didn't know it it could be so fun. Do you remember saying that? I didn't know it could be so fun. And this was after Easter. There, there were kids dancing over in the side, you know, like we're decorating the cross. We're singing joyful songs. Like there's revival happening here. And it happens all the time. Like the, a couple of weeks ago, we had some kids over here. They're kind of dancing during the final set of music. And then one of them noticed that another one had a broken arm. And so they decided to pray for one another then. There's like a little kid prayer revival going on over in the corner of the building. How cool is that? Like church can be fun. Like I know that's not usually a word that we use, but how exciting is this revival? And that's what we're seeing here in the book of Acts in chapter two. But then many years pass. A lot of years pass. Many adventures happen throughout the book of Acts, and we could go through and recount a lot of those. There's arguments that happen in the church. 
There's miracles that happen. People are, they break out of prison. Members of the church are actually killed. The church is scattered. They're told to leave town. New leaders rise up. More people come to believe in the Lord. And that brings us to Acts chapter, thir- or chapter 18, the portion that we have printed and that was read today. And this is a similar passage to Acts 2. This is a Holy Spirit-infused revival of word and sacrament that's happening here in Acts chapter 18 as well. Here we find the Apostle Paul in Corinth. And let's walk through some of these. It was read, so I'm not going to reread it. But in verse 5, we read that Paul was occupied with the word, testifying to the Jews that Jesus is the Messiah. Now, it doesn't mean it's occupied, he was occupied because he was like looking at his phone and like, you know, he wasn't like distracted occupied. That's not what this word means. This word occupied, it's translated elsewhere in the Bible like, as like utterly consumed. Like in some places, it's translated as possessed, like by spirits. So here, Paul, he's occupied by the scriptures, by the gospel, by the word of the Lord. Verse 8, many are coming to believe in the Lord. This is a revival moment, including the ruler of a synagogue, his whole family. Many are coming, and Paul, uh, that Paul even is, is told by the Lord to stay for another, uh, year, another year and a half. So this is exciting stuff. This is revival that's happening. But this is also a sacramental moment. Surely you saw that there's baptisms that are happening here. In the New Testament, belief and baptism happen side by side. Someone believes and then they are baptized. They believe and then they are baptized. And Jesus himself is here cleansing away sin by the power of his blood. He's welcoming new members into his household of faith. He's expanding his kingdom. This is a sacramental moment. This is also a revival of word and sacrament infused by the Holy Spirit. So do you see how this isn't just something that's of our diocese? Like, do you see that this isn't something that, again, like, it's not like we just made a list of our, we didn't just, like, write down all of our favorite words on a board and kind of consolidate them and turn them into a mission statement. Like, we actually see this in the scriptures. We think that this is how the church is supposed to work. We think that the church is supposed to be an ongoing revival of word and sacrament infused by the Holy Spirit. That's what's going on here. And so I, I invite you, as you're reading the scriptures, as you're doing your morning prayer, which, by the way, we've got um, winter morning prayer booklets uh, printed and available. It, as you're doing your morning prayers, you're reading through the scriptures according to your, your reading plan, look for this. Look for this revival of word and sacrament with the Holy Spirit. Find, you know, circle these in your Bibles. Write these moments down. Keep a list in the back of your Bible of all of these moments, you know. Maybe you'll, you'll read about Josiah and how they found the scriptures and it excited them. They celebrated the Passover feast with one another. Sacrament, word, revival. It's all there throughout the pages of the scriptures. <clears throat> so the other thing that I, that I think is useful for us today here in 2019 about Acts chapter 18 in this particular moment is that it shows the reality of how hard this actually can be. It's not glossing over it here. This isn't Acts chapter 2, where it's kind of this utopian, like, socialist sort of everything's working out kind of thing. Like, that's, we don't see that in Acts chapter 18. Like, in 2, it's like everything's just great and wonderful. But Paul doesn't get that. Paul, here in this story, he's getting mocked. He's getting reviled. Later, after this passage, he gets beaten up, right? And so it's easy for us to read this and see why he was afraid, why he was shaking, why he was terrified. 
I mean, remember Paul, he, he had it made before this, this story, before the Lord Jesus got a hold of him. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was one of the religious elite. He had job security. He had a retirement plan. He had benefits. He had all of this stuff. And then the Lord knocked him off this horse and turned his life upside down. And here he finds himself in Corinth making tents. Like, that's not what he probably dreamed of doing, you know? He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. Here he is making tents, but he's proclaiming Christ He's obsessed, he's, he's occupied by the word of God to whoever, he's proclaiming Christ to whoever will listen to him. But you can kind of wonder, like, did he ever say in this moment, God, did I make a mistake? Like, do I need to go back? Do I need to kind of find my, my, my club again and hang out with those folks? Like, what's going on here? Like I said, he's literally shaking, he's, he's shaking his clothing out of frustration. But it's in this moment, it's in this fear that Jesus visits him. And there in verse 9, I love what the Lord says. The shepherd of our souls, the king of kings who nourishes his flock, who comforts us, who breathes his spirit upon us. This is what he says to Paul in this moment. He says, do not be afraid, but go on speaking. Keep doing it. Don't be silent, for I myself am with you. And I have many in this city who belong to me. They're mine. Your job here isn't done yet. And I love how he uses that in the active voice, even though these individuals themselves haven't converted or whatever. God looks at them and says, they're mine. They might not even know it yet, but they're mine. Paul, go, find them, keep proclaiming. So there's two things about this that I want to mention just very, very quickly uh, before we wrap it up. So first, the Holy Spirit is the breath of Christ the King. Jesus himself says, I am with you. It reminds me of what he told the apostles as he was ascending up into heaven. I will be with you even until the end of the age. I'm sending my spirit to be with you. And who is Christ? He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. Like, didn't didn't your heart just burn when you were hearing that Colossians passage? He's the invisible, or he's the image of the invisible father. By him and for him, all things were created. He's the head of the church, the firstborn of the dead. All the fullness of God dwells in Jesus Christ. And by the power of the cross, he's reconciling all things to him. Jesus is the ultimate peacemaker. And he breathes his spirit upon us. He says, I am with you, says Jesus Christ. His life into us. This is a spirit-filled moment that's going on here. Secondly, the Holy Spirit is gathering worshipers. He's building up his church. I have many in this city who belong to me. They're my people. He sends his spirit into the world to convict hearts, to pull people to himself, to gather them. Oftentimes we think that like we're the ones who initiate these evangelistic conversations and things like that. The Lord's been working in people's lives and in cultures long before we ever came onto the scene. I have many in this city who belong to me. They're my people. Do you know that there in that passage he's actually talking about you? Like he's talking about you in that passage right here in the scriptures. He's talking about you. Now, I, I know you're not Corinthians. That's not what I'm saying. You know, and, and I know that Paul had, like there were actual Corinthians uh, who Jesus had in mind in this city that Paul was going to reach. That's not what I mean. What I mean is that at some point, Jesus has also said this regarding you. You've been on his heart. He's been planning for you. He's been strategizing for you. He's been sending his spirit ahead of others for you. He has had you on his mind. 
See, the revival that happens here in the book of Acts continues to spread. The years continue to go on. The adventures continue. There's highs and there's lows in this. But the word of God continues. The sacraments of God continue and continue and continue. Until one day, Jesus had you in mind and he told somebody else, don't be afraid. Keep on. Keep on. Press on. For me, it was my mom right? Like, I was on her heart. I wasn't a Christian. She had just become a Christian. And the Lord told her, like, keep on. Press on. Who is that for you? Who is it who the Lord said, stand firm. Keep on speaking. For I have Chris in this city. I have Lauren in this city. I've got, I've got John in this city. I've got Micah in this city. Like, the Lord has said this about you, waiting for you, And he sends his spirit in order to gather you up into his church because he wants you to experience the revival of new life. He wants to bring you into his household. He wants to bring you into his garden. He wants to bring you into his family. He wants to seat you at his table and nourish you with his very self. That's what this is about here. So who else? Who else? I mean, there's a lot of empty seats in here this morning. Like, who else could be in here? You know, what, what neighbors or coworkers or family members could be sitting here right now? Who else do you want to bring in here today? Who else needs to be, have their, their sins cleansed off of them, the forgiveness pronounced over them? Who else needs to come forward and, and receive the, the actual presence of Christ and become more like him and to be nourished by him? Who needs to go and receive prayer with our prayer ministers? Like, who else in your life needs that? Who are you praying for this morning? Who needs to be a part of this? Who needs to be restored, experience the restoration of joy, the restoration of hope, the restoration of fellowship and friendship? Who needs to experience that? Because, friends, we're just getting started. We're just a two-year-old church. Like, we've got a lot more work to do. There's a, there's a lot of people in this city who the Lord has in mind, who he wants to experience this kind of revival here at Restoration. So I didn't know that we would be compl- concluding the sermon series with uh, baptisms. Like I said, that wasn't, that wasn't a part of the plan. I didn't know that. If you, I didn't even know that uh, a week ago when, when I stood up in the announcements and was, I was preaching. For those of you who didn't, weren't able to make it, I was preaching on the sacraments and, and said, if, if you want to come up to the table in, in our tradition, you know, we have, it's a little hard sometimes for some folks because we say, we, we say that you have to have been baptized in order to come forward and receive. And, and we model that off of what we see in the scriptures. We can talk more about that later. But I know that's, that's a challenge for some folks. And so I said, baptism's free. Like, you can come up and be baptized, though. Like, we have that. In fact, let's do it next week, which is today. And how cool to do this on Christ the King Sunday. You know, we, have, we've, we carry in the cross now, declaring that Jesus Christ goes before us. His presence goes before us, and we follow after him, and he's increasing his household. How beautiful is that? And I love Asher and Karis that you guys are coming forward, that you listened to the Holy Spirit. And I know that you've been believers. I know that you've loved Jesus for a long time. Your parents love the Lord very much. But this is a day in which all of us, the church, get to welcome you in and say, absolutely, you are part of us. Welcome to the family. Like how fun and exciting that is. Asher, your name means happy. Karis, your name means grace. And like what a sign of hope for us today, here now, of the happiness and the grace that our church is going to have for many, many more years to come. So thank you for listening to to the Holy Spirit and coming forward this morning. We are planting a revival of word and sacrament infused by the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, you are the king.
And we bow down and we worship you, Lord. But you are also fun. And you give us joy. And you excite us. And you interrupt our lives and and tell us to do things. We're like, okay, we'll try this out. Lord, thank you for that. Thank you, Lord, that that you are dynamic, that you, that you are living in our midst today. Lord, help us to hear you, help us to listen to you, help us to follow you more, to fall more in love with you as well. We ask this, Lord Jesus, in your name and for your glory. Amen.